Well, hello. It's really, really good to be with you. Um, so as Neil said, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer this morning. And chances are, as you saw that video, you knew that prayer well. You probably knew it line for line. You knew what was coming next. Uh, maybe you learned it when you were young, growing up. Maybe you said it in school assemblies. Maybe you learned it like your times tables. Um, Today, right now even, across the world, this prayer will be being said in many different kinds of churches all over the world. It is a prayer that is familiar, it is known, and yet we can miss it. We can miss the significance of it. We can miss the depth of it. We can miss the power of it. And as I've rediscovered this prayer, preparing for today, I've seen that this prayer is an absolute gift to us. This is a gift to us. It isn't a meaningless set of words. This prayer is full of meaning and full of depth and full of kindness, as you'd expect, because this is the prayer that Jesus taught us. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit uses this, this prayer we know so well and speaks to us this, this morning, this afternoon, in a fresh way through it. So let's just pray before we go any further. Father God, I thank you so much I thank you so much for this prayer that you've given us. I thank you that you're here with us today. And I ask that you'd speak to us in a fresh way today. Thank you. You know every single person in this room. You know what they've been through. You know where they're at. And you've got things you want to say today. So would you speak? I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now I'm aware that we're all going to be coming to this in different places in our prayer life. It may be that you got up this morning, you set the alarm, you got up and you got straight into day 14 of your prayer notes and you had your morning conversation with God. If that's you, then that is great and just keep going with that. Or it may be that actually you're a bit more like me and you struggle sometimes with prayer. Maybe you're already 13 days behind with the prayer guide. Maybe you find that sometimes when you pray, it just feels like you're talking to yourself. Or when you pray in public, if you do, it just feels like it sounds a bit awkward and it sounds a bit bumpy. And maybe you want to pray and you know you should pray and you want to do it, but you just don't know where to start. Well, if that's you today, I want to say to you, don't feel condemned, don't feel guilty. I believe that wherever you're at with prayer today, we can learn from this prayer that Jesus taught us. See, the great thing about prayer is we don't have to read between the lines to see what Jesus says. There's a, a passage we can look at where Jesus says, this is how you do it. This is how you pray. So that's what we're going to look at today. Now, the Lord's Prayer features twice in the New Testament. Once in Matthew's Gospel and once in Luke's Gospel. We're going to look at the slightly longer version in Matthew's Gospel. So if you've got a Bible, it would be really helpful if you could turn to Matthew 6, verse 5. If you do have a Bible with you, it would be helpful if you could keep that open. We're going to keep coming back to this passage. So it's Matthew 6, verse 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's fine. It's going to come up on the screen behind me. But Matthew 6, verses 5 to 13. It says this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've re received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, 
close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. One or two immediate thoughts before we look in more detail at that passage. First of all, some of you might be thinking, well, where's the ending? Where's the bit that goes, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever, amen? Well, it's not in there. And it's not in the version in Luke's gospel either. Commentators say this ending is likely to be an abridged version of a passage in 1 Chronicles 29, verses 11 to 13. And it was likely added in by the early church. Now, it's true, of course, His is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. So you can pray it. There's no problem with praying it. It's just helpful to know that it wasn't part of the prayer that Jesus taught to his disciples. The second thing that's important to say is this. The Lord's Prayer is a model. This is a framework for how we pray. We're so used to saying this thing word for word. And you know, that's not wrong. That's fine. But I believe that Jesus intended so much more for us than that. That we'd use this model prayer as a skeleton And then we'd flesh it out with our own words. Now, why do I say that? How do I know that? Because Jesus didn't always pray using those exact words. If you look at the various examples of Jesus' own prayers, you see that some things were always true of his prayers. He always prayed prayers that were focused on the Father. His prayers were always spirit-filled. They were always full of thankfulness and faith and sincerity. But in terms of the way he prayed... And the things that he said, there were huge varieties. So he prayed in short prayers and he prayed in long prayers. He prayed with joy and he prayed in tears. He prayed with words and in silence. He prayed with mud and spit and he prayed with blood like sweat. There's no set formula to the way we have to pray and to just pray the Lord's Prayer word for word without really thinking about what we're saying is to miss the richness of it. Don Carson says this, it is ironic that the context which forbids meaningless repetition in prayer serves in Matthew's gospel as the location of the Lord's model prayer. For no prayer has been repeated more than this, very often without understanding. This is a model. And you know, there's so much in this prayer. I've wondered how on earth to preach this prayer this morning. There's, 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 a, there's a preach in every single line of this prayer. In some lines of it, there's a whole teaching series. And I'm grateful that throughout this week, we'll have a day on each line in those prayer notes where you can just pray that one line to our Father and and ask him to speak to you through it. But I felt, as I was preparing for today, that there's one thing the Lord particularly wants us to focus on, and it's this, that prayer flows best when you see the one you're speaking to. And the one you're speaking to is a Father. That prayer flows best when you see the one you're speaking to. And the one you're speaking to is a father. So we're going to look at three things today 
to do with the character of God, to do with who he is. First, that this, that God is a father. Secondly, that your father wants to involve you in his work. And thirdly, that your father provides for his family. So first of all, God is a father. What do you think makes a good prayer? What do you think makes a good prayer? See, another way of asking that question might be, what makes a good conversation? I was trying to think about some of the best conversations that I've ever had. There was the time when I got down on one knee, albeit very briefly, and in the middle of an argument on Regent Street in London to ask my wife to marry me. That was a good conversation. It was a good conversation. Or the the bedtime conversations I have with my children where I've been trying to find out what they've been doing at school and they won't tell me a thing, but finally when they go to bed, that's when they want to start talking. That's, That's what it's like. Those are good conversations. Uh, Maybe with friends in a beer garden. You've been out for the evening together and conversation is just flowing. You might have your own examples of what good conversations you've had. But it's easy to think that a long prayer is is a mature prayer. And a short prayer is an immature one. But what does Jesus say? He says this. In the opening parts of that passage, before Jesus teaches us to pray, he teaches us how not to pray. Essentially, don't be like the hypocrites and don't be like the pagans. Don't pray for show just to impress other people and don't babble on meaninglessly thinking that the longer you go on, the more likely you are to be heard. Wonder Have you ever done any of those things? Have you ever prayed for show just to sound good to people? I know that I've done that. Have you ever prayed and found yourself just babbling? See, we're so used to playing the game in all kinds of different areas of life. You can impress a lecturer or a teacher with clever words that you put in an essay. You might be able to impress a boss by putting in the extra hours, but it doesn't work like that with prayer. You can't manipulate God in that way. You don't make God hear you and win him over in that way. Now, yes, the Bible encourages us to keep on asking and keep on knocking and be audacious in our prayer, but it's never just meaningless babble. Our prayers must be sincere. See, Christian prayer is all about relationship. What was it about those conversations that I had that I remember? What made them good conversations? It was the relationship. It was the intimacy. And Christian prayer is all about intimacy and relationship. In the version of the the Lord's Prayer that we didn't look at in Luke's Gospel, it follows the disciples saying to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Now I wonder, what was it about Jesus' prayers that made the disciples ask that question? It wasn't clever words, what was it? Well, surely it was the intimacy we had with the Father. It was the relationship he had. He spoke as if he had a clear sight of who he was talking to. See, prayer flows best when we see the one we're speaking to. No one knew the Father like Jesus did. John's Gospel tells us that from the beginning, he was God and he was with God. He was the Son who always existed with the Father. See, the amazing thing about this Lord's Prayer is it's God teaching us how to approach God. That's what it is. And what he says to us is the way to approach him, the way to come to him is this. It's our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. I said before that one of the best prayers I've ever heard was the prayer of a junior doctor in a mission hospital in Kenya. I was out there with my wife Alice. She was doing some medical training out there. Um, And this junior doctor had been with this mother and her baby during the day. And during the day, this baby had died. And... 
at the prayer meeting in the evening, I was there with this junior doctor and she prayed a prayer like I'd never heard. She, she was saying, Father, I don't understand why you've let this baby die. I don't understand why you do that in your power. I know who you are. I know what you're like. Why would you let this baby die? I cried out to you to help and you didn't. And you know, that prayer was full of so much faith. And what it wasn't, it wasn't dry. It wasn't mechanical. It flowed. And the reason it flowed was because this junior doctor knew who she was talking to. She had a clear sight of what her father was like. Prayer flows when you see the one you're speaking to. And the one you're speaking to is a father. So what do you focus on when you pray? What do you focus on when you pray? Sometimes we can struggle with prayer because we're so focused on the prayer itself and not focused enough on the Father, we think, am I using the right words? Am I, am I saying the right things? Am I doing this right? Do my wo- are my words, do they sound proper? Does this sound like prayer? What's happening is we're focusing too much on the prayer and not enough on the Father. When you're driving a car, you don't focus on the windscreen. You focus on the road. You look through the windscreen to see the road. And it's like that with prayer. We don't focus on the prayer. We should be focused on our Father. We see the Father through the prayer. See, when Jesus had the opportunity to teach his followers to pray, the first thing he says is this, that on the throne of the universe is a father and he is approachable. And some of you will know that the word that Jesus uses for father is this word Abba. And it means daddy or papa. This is so intimate. It's so intimate. And if we struggle with prayer, we can, we can kind of go around reading books, trying to find out how to do it. But Surely the best way to learn how to pray is to look at a child who knows how he's loved, talking with a father who adores him. Look at the intimacy that's there. Look at the joy. Look at the honesty and the openness that they have. Look at the realness and the love. Look at the informality and the closeness. It's not forced. It's not mechanical. It's intimate and it's alive. And that's how we're to talk to our father in heaven. Let's be clear on one thing though. Only a Christian can pray our Father. Only a Christian can pray our Father. The essence of that video that we saw at the start was that anyone can pray. And of course, anyone can can pray to God. We, We believe that. There's been points in our life when we didn't know Jesus at all, where we cried out in prayer. But only a Christian can call him Father. That's what the Bible says. Look at what John chapter 1, verse 12 says. It says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, they're the ones who are called children of God. They're the ones who get to call God Father. See, we can only call him Father if Jesus has taken the punishment on the cross for everything that we've done wrong if we can stand sin-free and forgiven and clean before him because of Jesus. If we know that once we were orphans, but now we've been brought into this family, that now we're sons and daughters because of what Jesus has done. The Lord's Prayer is a Christian's prayer. That's why in Matthew's Gospel, it sits in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching his followers what it's going to look like to follow him. It's why in Luke's Gospel... It follows the disciples saying, Lord, teach us to pray, just like John taught his disciples. This is a disciple's prayer. This is a Jesus follower's prayer. And I want to say to you this morning, if you're a Christian and you pray the Lord's Prayer, I just ask you to consider the words that you're saying to this prayer. Andrew Wilson wrote this recently in one of his blogs. He wrote, the Lord's Prayer is not mild, 
inoffensive, <clears throat> vanilla, listless, nominal, wishy-washy, or wallpapery. If you don't worship the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, in fact, it is deeply subversive, upsetting, and offensive from the first phrase to the last. It's an interesting quote, isn't it? Why is it offensive? Why is it subversive? Because think of what you're praying. Think of what you're asking to happen. You're asking for his kingdom to come. You're saying, you're saying that you'll do his will and not your own. This is a Christian's prayer. And if you're at the place this morning where you, you do believe that Jesus died for you, then the invitation is there for you this morning to come into that family of people who get to call God Father. He is approachable and anyone can come to him anytime through Jesus. But if you are a Christian, don't miss this incredible privilege of calling him Father. That is where prayer starts, our Father. See, sometimes if it's been a while since we spoke to him, or if there's things that we've done that we know have taken us away from him, we can almost come head bowed and be a bit hesitant to call him Father. And I believe Jesus would say, look at the story of the prodigal son. This guy who's completely messed up, who squandered his father's money, who goes away and does his own thing. He comes to his senses and he has this plan to go back to his dad and ask to be taken on as a hired hand. He's got this speech in his mind. So he goes back to his dad. But while he's still a long way off, Jesus says, his father sees him and he runs to him and he throws his arms around him and he kisses him. And this is no macho man hug. This is proper full-on fatherly love. And it's like whatever you've done, first and foremost, you're still my son. And he says that to us here this morning, whatever you've done, if you're a Christian here this morning, whatever's happened, you're still a son, you're still a daughter, you still get to call me father. That's where prayer starts. And prayer flows when we see the one we're speaking to. And that's who we're speaking to. We're seeing a father, that's who we're talking to. So how do you pray? How do you approach God? Jesus says, don't babble. Don't just pray for show. Just talk to your father. Get your eyes fixed on him. So what is this father like? There are many things that we could say about him, but there's just a couple that I want to focus on this morning that Jesus' prayer teaches us about who he is. And the first is this, that our father wants to involve us in his work. Now I've got a vague memory of being about the age of five or six, and my dad took me to work with him. Um, And it was fun. And there can't have been a lot of technology around, modern technology, because it was in a bank and it was 1985, but it was fun. I got to pretend to be on the phone. I got to pretend to use my dad's notebook. I got to sit in my dad's seat. I got to see what my dad did. And notice, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, there are six petitions in the Lord's Prayer. Six things that we're to ask our Father, and the first three are all about what the Father wants. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. See, when Jesus teaches us to pray these words, it's like he's inviting us to see what the Father is doing and to be part of it. And if you're anything like me, you can easily get through a day without thinking about God's agenda. At home, our kids kind of come running in about half six, and we know that that's it. There's no more sleep. That's, that's done for. You, you can put your head down again, but you're not getting any more sleep. We're up and running. And we continue at a pace until the evening, and we can be so caught up in stuff that we don't see what our Father is doing. Now, I believe the Lord would say to us this morning that your life is part of a much bigger story, that our Father is at work day by day in ways that we see and ways that we don't see. And Jesus teaches us before we reel off our own prayers just to pause and to worship 
and to ask for those things that our Father wants, to see what he's doing. So what is important to our Father? What business is your dad involved in? Well, he's in the business of glorifying his name. Jesus teaches us to pray, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. It means may your name be made holy. And it's an interesting line. Kenneth Bailey says this about it. To pray to God that his name be made holy is a bit like saying, may the wood become solid or may the fire become hot. See, God is already holy. He's the most holy reality there is. If you look at the Bible, which of our father's attributes is taught most about in the Bible? It's his holiness, his otherness. What do the angels cry when they worship him? They cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. When people in the Bible get some kind of revelation of who God is, people like Isaiah, Moses, Peter with Jesus, they, what they notice is his holiness, his otherness. And that's what he's like. But when we pray, hallowed be your name, what we're saying is, Father, would your name be made holy here? Would you see to it that your name is given the honor and the respect and the adoration that your name is due here on earth? And only he can do that. Your father is at work. Sorry, and he invites us to be part of it. Another thing that your father is doing is this. He's seeing his kingdom come and his will done on earth as it is in heaven. See, in heaven now, there is order. There's a, there's a king and he's being worshipped and his will is done all of the time. But his will is not always done on earth. We live like there's no king or like we're king or like sex is king, or money is king, or power is king. Like other things take the place of Jesus as king in our life. What does it mean for his kingdom to come now? It means for the reign of God to come, to, for things to come under his authority and his kingship. And we know as Christians that one day that's going to happen completely. But Jesus teaches us to pray, Father, would your kingdom come now? Would your kingdom break in now where there's pain and injustice and chaos? Would your kingdom come and bring peace, sorry, peace and healing and justice and order? Where there's darkness, would the gospel bring light? Jesus, would you take your rightful place as king in our lives and in the lives of those we love? Just as it is in heaven, just as your will is done in heaven, would it be done here? So your father is at work and he invites you to be part of it. On Wednesday night, we heard about what, a bit about what our father is doing, the work that he's doing amongst Muslims in our town, people turning to Jesus, salvation happening. And we see it here at King's. I was here on Friday night with an, a youth event we did with Wickham Youth for Christ. There were about 150 young people in this room. There was a band playing. And at one point, they preached the gospel. And they said, if you want to follow Jesus, stand up. And 70 young people stood up. And we took them out into the, the room, the room that's being used as a crash out there. We, we packed that room full of young people and prayed for them. Now, I don't know what's going on in all those individual situations, but what was obvious was this. Our Father is at work. He is at work. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes my prayers are often way too small. I lose sight of this Father who's full of power and who wants his kingdom to come. I lose sight of him. And Jesus teaches us to pray with confidence and with, and with expectancy. Our Father, we believe that you are king. Would your kingdom come? Would your kingdom come in our town, in our nation? Would it come in our, in our family, in our street, in our own lives? And you know, there's a kindness in Jesus teaching us to pray like this because it reorientates us. 
Because caught up in our own struggles, we can so easily miss the big picture. But Jesus says, lift your eyes. See things from the Father's point of view. Your, father, your life isn't small or insignificant or without meaning because your Father is at work. And he wants you to see it. And he wants you to ask for more of it. He wants you to be part of it. This is go to work with your dad day. Where we get to see what he's doing and be part of it and ask for those things that he wants. And here's the thing, that the better you know your father, the more clearly you see him, the more you'll find yourself praying for the things that he wants. Prayer flows when we see the one we're speaking to. What else does Jesus teach us about the Father? He teaches us that our Father provides for his family. Do you know, it's so easy to miss in a country like this where we live, where we have water on tap, where we have food in the cupboards, where we have clothes to wear, where we have cars to drive, where the majority of people do weekly or monthly shops and there's supermarkets everywhere, that our Father provides for us daily and we need him to provide for us daily. See, praying the Lord's Prayer reminds us that everything we have is a gift from our Father. That was the whole basis, wasn't it, of our generosity series that we looked at. So what does the Father provide? Well, he provides for us practically, and he provides for us spiritually. So he says, ask for your daily bread. What is our daily bread? It's everything that we need for our well-being. It's things like food, it's drink, it's a home. It's clothes, it's good government, it's peace, it's health. Jesus teaches us to ask our Father for these things. And notice, it's not our daily cake. This is not about decadence. It's our daily bread. This is about the things that we need, asking God to provide for us the things we need to get through today. And if you're anything like me, fasting can be a great reminder to you of how good food is And how fortunate we are that our Father provides for us. So Jesus teaches us to pray, Father, we acknowledge, we remind ourselves that all things, all good things come from you. In in your generosity, would you keep providing for us? We need you to. What else does our Father provide? Well, he provides forgiveness. See, we've sinned against him. We've rebelled against him. We've offended him. We've offended others. And we need God to forgive us. And our view of God can get foggy. Our view of ourselves can get foggy. But Jesus sees him clearly and sees us clearly. He knows what we need. So he teaches us to say, Father, would you forgive us? Would you forgive us? And would you give us the grace to forgive others who wrong us? We acknowledge that we deserve judgment just like they do. Father, we need your grace. And he provides us with protection from evil. We know that there's evil out there in the world, but there's also evil in us. And we're called to say, Father, would you lead us away from the things that are bad for us? Would you lead us away from anything that tempts us and takes us away from you? And would you lead us closer to you? Our Father provides. He provides these things. And finally on this, notice it's our daily bread. It's not my daily bread. In this church, there are people from about 50 different nations across the three meetings, about 50 different nations. If you're a Christian, you're part of this family here at King's. You're also part of a global family of people. Different backgrounds, different experiences, different ethnicities, but the same father, the same father. Tim Keller writes this, a Christian here has far more in common with a gospel believer who lives a nomadic existence on the Mongolian plains than they do with a non-believer who lives on their street, drives a similar car, and whose children go to the same school as theirs. 
an interesting quote that is. When we become Christians, we become part of this family of people. And the Father loves to provide for his family. And this Lord's Prayer is a family prayer. Stay with me a second. A quote from Mother Teresa. She recalls an occasion from her life in Calcutta and she writes this. This is Mother Teresa. I will never forget the night an old gentleman came to our house and said there was a family with eight children and they hadn't eaten and could we do something for them? So I took some rice and went there. The mother took the rice from my hands and she divided it in two and she went out. And I could see the faces of her children shining with hunger. When she came back, I asked her where she'd gone. She gave me a very simple answer. They are hungry also. And they were the family next door. And she knew that they were hungry. I was not surprised that she gave, but I was surprised that she knew. I hadn't the courage to ask her how long her family had eaten, hadn't eaten, but I'm sure it must have been a long time. And yet she knew in her suffering, in her terrible bodily suffering, she knew that next door they were hungry also. When we're called to pray this prayer, when Jesus teaches us to pray the Lord's Prayer, he teaches us to notice the needs of those in our family as well and to pray for them too. It's not that we just ask God to bless us. It's that we ask God to bless the family. It's not just my bread, it's ours. He's not just my father, he's our father. Do we know the needs of our brothers and sisters? Do you notice the needs of people in the church? Are you praying for those in the church? I'm conscious here, I'm I'm challenging myself with this as much as I'm challenging anyone. But we should be not just praying for ourselves, but praying for the family. See, prayer flows when you see the one you're speaking to, and the one you're speaking to is a father who loves his family. So to end, I want to ask you this question. How do you see him? How do you see him? When was the last time you prayed to your father like that? When was the last time you prayed the Lord's Prayer? Not just word for word, line by line, but with that level of expectancy, a conversation with that level of intimacy and that level of trust. See, I know all too well that my own prayer life can be very, very up and down. And this series on prayer has already been hugely challenging for me. But I know that my prayers are best when I have a clear view of who God is. So what stops you from seeing the Father clearly? Now maybe you've had a bad experience of an earthly father. Maybe your dad wasn't around or wasn't available or wasn't kind. I believe Jesus would say to you today that actually your heavenly father is not like that. He's not like that at all. Your heavenly father is like Jesus. When you've seen Jesus, you've seen the father. And I think he'd encourage you to look at the cross. Do you know that in every situation, bar one in the Bible, Jesus called God Father. The only time he doesn't is from the cross where he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, he was forsaken so that you could be part of the family. He was abandoned by the father so that you could know intimacy with him and call him father. He was murdered on a hill outside a city so that you could be brought into the family of God. Jesus says to you today, look how I lay down my life for you. That's how generous the father is. The father is like me. He's full of generosity. He's full of kindness. He's full of grace. Or, you know, maybe it's unanswered prayer that stops you seeing the Father. Maybe you've been crying out for things for years and you just haven't seen answers to prayer and you're starting to question God. 
I believe Jesus would say to you today, look at the resurrection. See, this was a situation that looked bleak. On the cross, things must have looked so bleak. This didn't look like victory. But then, on the third day, Jesus rose. And the tomb was empty. The stone was rolled away. And Jesus would say to you, do you think there's anything that I can't do? Do you think there's anything that I can't do? Come back to me today and just keep asking. I love you and I'm so for you. And I know what you're going through. I know what you're asking for. I've heard your prayers. He loves you. He loves you. Or maybe you've been a Christian for years, but you know that just the intimacy that you had with your father once has gone. It's just a long time since you saw him as father. How do we see him more clearly? Well, I believe that it's through revelation from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves to reveal what God the Father is like. In Galatians 4 verse 6, it says this, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls our Abba, Father. See, God the Spirit reveals to us what God the Father is like. And to really pray, we need that. We need revelation of who God is. Whether that's for the first time or whether that's happened hundreds or thousands of times in our life, we need that. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal God to us. See, our view of God can become so foggy. It can become so misted up and so clouded by so many different things in life. We need him to reveal what the Father is like to us. And we're going to make space to do that in just a moment. But I want to end by saying this, that prayer flows when you see the one you're speaking to. And the one you're speaking to is a father A father who is intimate, who is approachable, who is available, who's never distracted, who is a holy king, who is powerful, who is compassionate, who's loving, who's forgiving, and who's full of mercy, and who loves to provide for his family. Do you see him like that? Because that is the way he longs for you to see him. Amen? Amen.